And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Welcome to the Financial Fitness Friday edition of The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. Thank you guys for joining us. Big day today, jobs numbers. Been a big week. We've had the Fed and you know everybody on the heels and trying to decipher every word and, and what it may or may not mean. Um, looks like inflation is still here and uh, we're not stopping quite yet. But interesting moves. Bond market hasn't shown a whole lot of big moves here as of recent. At least Treasuries, 10-year T-bills jumped around a tad bit, but not like most people expect. And I think the interesting thing is here that usually we see these types of moves prior to the rate hikes, not necessarily after. Now, being a little bit more hawkish, we've seen a tad bit of uh, increase in yields, but not, not too much. So a lot to get to today, but pre-market, we're going to have Toyota, uh, ConocoPhillips, PayPal, Amgen, Starbucks, and Cigna is going to report today. Um, we're seeing a lot of things happen, John, and I think one of the things that is noticeable is feel like here it's sped up as far as the the rate of companies deciding, hey, we're not hiring. We're going to slow these things down. We're going to freeze hiring for the moment. We're going to play the wait and see approach, which is what many keep hoping the Fed does as well. Um, you know, get to that pause, if not a pivot. I'm interested to see how what these job numbers look like. You know, it's it's probably going to be very likely that we see the, maybe the pace of hiring has slowed, but unemployment's not going to be much changed. A um, lot of big companies here, though. Amazon just reported that they're going to have a freeze in, um, in hiring. Lyft has said the same thing. Lyft said they're going to cut 13% of its mm -hmm. employees. Uh, Stripe, another payment processing platform, is going to cut another. They're going to cut 14%, so roughly 1,100 jobs. I mean, these are no small companies here. Um, not to mention, you've got Microsoft, Alphabet owns Google and YouTube. Um, they're talking about they would hire fewer or maybe not hire much at all. And headcount didn't look to change much. So a lot of the tech companies, which have been a, a place where a lot of people have been you know, looking for jobs because there's been immense growth. They don't seem like uh, seems like everybody's beginning to slow down. And are we finally going to see these corporations rein things in enough that's going to show an impact longer term on earnings? Obviously, we talk about the consumer uh, being cash strapped. Um, you know, savings rate has plummeted. Credit card usage and average balance has gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. You know, twenty year high, thirteen percent increase. Uh, what do you What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I you know to your point about companies that are starting to announce these restructurings or or they're not hiring. Well, even you know Elon Musk is you know shaking it up over at Twitter a little bit, right? Um, but even you know I've I've noticed too just even you know, uh, business owners that we work with, you know, small business owners, owners that own medium businesses. And this is the time of year where they're, they're really looking at their budgets and looking at their forecasts and they're really looking at, okay, what are we moving into here and how can we just really protect ourselves in case things maybe, maybe if we hit a or run into a environment with a slower pace of growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's on everybody's concern. I mean, obviously, if you look at the National Federation of Independent Businesses, their survey suggests that small business owners don't feel great about the environment that we're in. I mean, the cost just just look across yields right now and the cost of borrowing money exactly is so high. And we talked about, you know, not only you know, what people are having to do just to access capital, 
But then, you know, on the other end of the balance sheet, you know, spending it, it's gotten a lot more expensive as well. The, the dollar just doesn't go as far at the moment. Yeah. I mean, look, every company out there, most of the, they, they have debt. They, they have leverage, probably more now than ever before. And for the longest time, it was very cheap to own and maintain, right? Yeah. And now with the, with the short-term interest rates coming up, those debt costs are definitely, you know, a lot higher in squeezing profit margins, without a question. Yeah, so... Like we like to call it the double whammy. Everybody's yeah. getting hit, you know, multiple areas. Um, you know, it's it's not fun by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I, it's I'm hopeful, though. You know, I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to make it, make our way through this. I mean, sure. everybody keeps waiting for the Fed to, to move. And the Fed pivoting isn't necessarily a great thing. I think long term, yeah, that's it's going to be uh, you're going to have the wind at its back. But if the Fed pivots, it's going to be because we're going to have economic data that is slowed down. Now, the interesting thing is going to be how correlated is the market in the economy actually going to be in this environment with the market already being down quite a bit. Do we see another leg down or is it kind of ho-hum? We tread water here for a bit. Things improve over time and the market is forward looking. So we say, okay, we're where we need to be. Now we're going to go in, we're cutting interest rates. Um, you know, it's going to give people access to that capital. Maybe things will, will, you know, the purse strings will loosen to some extent and people feel good again, but you know, Pandemics changed so much. I mean, the job numbers, that's going to be a long time coming, I think. I think it's not our typical recessionary environment where we see, you know, jobs are almost like a leading indicator. Everybody starts cutting headcount quickly. That's already been done. Mm -hmm. Not to mention just demographically, the amount of people that are retiring on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, you look at the baby boomers, they're stepping out. People that are younger are finding other other opportunities. I mean, I know you have a lot of clients, we've talked about this, that, that are in their 50s and say, you know what, I've had enough. I've got enough, I can retire. But what they're doing is they're not spending nearly as much money as what they did previously. They've cut back their lifestyle, their expenses. They're still doing some type of work, but it's something that's probably more meaningful towards to, to what they, you know, something that's important to them. Yeah, it's it's not that they're they 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 are still working. They are still active. They still want to be very active in the community. It's just that they're not doing what they, were, for lack of better words, were kind of forced forced to do. Maybe with their previous employment, now they're they're really doing what they want to do on their own terms. And yes, maybe they're not earning the amount of income they were previously, but they still have you know enough income coming in where they're not having to completely just rely on a portfolio. And I like what you said too earlier, Danny, about is you know. As much as it looks like we have these headwinds here that we that we're that we've been going through this year can, and that we still are are going through, um, you know, and I meant to mention earlier, a lot of the business owners that I have visited with, they said, you know, we will come through this. They have said we will be profitable. We will find ways to make this work. Yeah, no, and, and that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, the American economy is extremely resilient Absolutely. in the face of all these things. We've been here. We've done that. Like Lance has mentioned on the show a couple times that listen. It's usually not as bad as it feels or or as bad as what we think it's going to be. And I think that's something to always keep in perspective is that we've been here. We've done that in many different ways. I always encourage people to go, go to Time Magazine, and you can actually go and look at the covers. You can do it by decade. You can do it by, um, you know, is it just uh, you know finance-related, economic, political? Because we think, oh, my gosh, we've never been here. We have in most instances. You know, we've had, we've had uh, you know, energy issues. We've had inflation We've had all of these things that are occurring. The political uh, environment has never been great. I mean, we always think it's been, oh, it was, uh, we always look back and think about how much better things were. That's not always the case. Yeah, but at the time, it doesn't seem that way. 
Like, but when you reflect in hindsight, it's always 2020 when you look back and go, well, that's how it was then. But when you were in the moment at that particular time, to your point, it just it didn't feel good either. Well, we like anchoring to things, yeah. right? We anchor to high dollar amounts in portfolios. We anchor to, you know, things in the past that, that were maybe really good. And we think it's always needs to be that way. Uh, but we also have recency bias. And we look backwards where, I mean, think about portfolios and just, uh, you know, I guess perception around it and just investing at the moment. I mean, in June, most people just said, hey, we're running for the hills. Mm-hmm. Then we see a really good month or two. Same thing just happened here in October. So we've got to be cautious with the all-in, all-out strategy. We're going to talk a little bit about that. A um, lot of changes coming, obviously, inflation, big talk. But do you need a family CFO? So I want to talk about this a bit, talk about what that means for you and your family, and if it's something you guys should be looking at. We'll be right back on this side of this break. You're listening to Real Investment Show. news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year? Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday edition. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. So, Brent, I see lots of candy around. So, Halloween, did you go trick-or-treating? I did not. Did you just have a glut for no trick-or-treaters? I was, or uh, I was grounded to the house. You were grounded to the <laughs> yeah. house. Okay. So, what you're seeing in the office this morning is a replenishment of the SCR. The SCR. What the is Strategic it? Candy Reserve. Oh, okay. Like okay. Yeah. yeah, and I appreciate the Whoppers this Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. That'll, that'll go great yeah. with coffee. Thank I you. I think we've got enough to distribute one a day for every employee for the rest of the year. Oh, I bet we could. So so if you would have gone trick-or-treating, what would you have been? <sighs> Probably a mid-60s grumpily old guy. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it. No, it's not so bad. Did you did you uh, shepherd your children around the neighborhood? Oh, we shepherd all over, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we did a little bit of that, so not too bad. But, um, yeah, we had... Um, like what we had a karate, zombie karate guy, yeah, yeah. yeah, ninja. Excuse me, zombie ninja is what he would say. So you were protected. We were protected. We had Kyle. We had King Tuck. So Kyle Tucker. Mm-hmm. He okay. had a, a robe and a, and a king. Yeah, yeah, crowns. That was that was kind of cool with his Astro stuff. So go Astros. Sorry guys, I know a lot of y'all out there aren't fans of that, but you know what? I don't care. Hey, <laughs> it's the real deal. It's <laughs> the way it goes. Hey, we still got two games to go. We'll see how that goes. So John, what would you have been? Oh, and we had. Um, what the pink the, lady from yes, Greece. Yes. Zabby, yeah. The pink lady from Greece. Yeah. 
man, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what I would have been. Probably just a just a dad walking around with my kids. That's not very creative. Um, yeah, we saw you a lot know of what Astros I, fans. I, you know what? I'd be Marty Bird from Ozark. Why not? Oh, yeah. Marty Bird. Yeah, Marty okay. Bird from Ozarks. <laughs> All right. That's an interesting... Uh, I don't even know what the costume would be. Uh, yeah, just I don't either. Just first thing that came to my mind. It's early. I need more coffee. We we uh, we had a lot of trick or treaters. We had, uh, I think we went through seven bags of candy. I mean, we went through a lot. Man. But there was a lot left over at the end of the night. And I left the table. They we all kind of set up our tables at the end of the driveway, and then uh, at the end of the night, I didn't go out there for a while. And I think some kids came by late at night and just kind of dumped everything and took it all, which I'm fine with. Hey, we don't we don't need it yeah, around good the house. For them. We we have a rule. We actually have the kids to look. You're not, first of all, you're not eating all this candy, number one. Um, we're, Michelle's pretty strict at the house. But number two, um, you can trade it in for something. So I figure, you know what, 10 15 bucks is a heck of a lot cheaper than a, a cavity or the behavior I'm likely to get from eating <laughs> no, too much. Right. Cash for candy. Hey, man. That could be a thing. That could be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of those deals. But, hey, inflation. So if you guys were out there. Uh, buying candy for trick-or-treaters. Inflation has been something that has been through the roof. We actually saw a 13% increase in inflation for candy. We sent our daughter in to go get some. Uh, we were at all at the store. We sent her down the other aisle and said, hey, pick out some candy. She even came back and said, Dad, this was the cheapest bag I could find. And it was like 10 bucks, but it was like three Snickers in it. I mean, there was nothing there. And you're cutting it up for everybody? Was you're handing it out in slices? I mean, we should have, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yeah. But, but Thanksgiving, so, I mean, now you're hearing that, you know, ordering pizza is a lot cheaper than going out for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, turkey, and potatoes cost 17% more this year. And so now there's lots of talks going around on these different, uh, different YouTube channels and uh, Reddit boards of what people are going to do to get creative around Thanksgiving time. And one thing I keep seeing is that well, we're just going to order pizza. Hey. Works for me. Works for me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, potatoes are up about 17.5%. Turkey's up 17%. Even sweet corn. And I love me some sweet corn over Thanksgiving. That's up over 11%. Now, for, for those of you that like your, your cranberry dressing, mm -hmm. you're in luck. Actually down almost 8%. Cranberry dressing? Yeah. The cramp, you know that gelatinous the stuff? that jiggly comes stuff? Out yeah. Of can? yeah. It's like a jello. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've been deprived my entire life. Well, it's it's. Where are you from? You've never seen cranberry. I'm not saying I, I, I it's my favorite thing, but well, the the dressing that we have has about ranch. five different kinds of bread in it. Well, yeah, that's the traditional, but usually yeah. this is this is not a uh, a substitute for it. Oh, okay, served cold. It's served cold. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's complete complete opposite. It's uh, yeah. Imagine Jello with cranberries in it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we well, do we do that. Jello. We do that with cherry and strawberry Jello. Okay. Maraschino cherries, yep, and mm. sliced strawberries mixed ah, in. Okay, that sounds good. There you go. Very festive looking, by the way. Whipped cream on top? No, no, no. Straight. Maybe, maybe straight. Could be a good addition this year. But I mean, so what are people going to do? Turkey's gone up seventeen percent. I think that there's going to be a big change as far as how people celebrate. What people are looking to. To do, I mean, this is not cheap, especially if you have a big family. Well, we, my wife's family side is a big family, and they're all coming to us this year. So the chaos, Ooh. hey, and it's good. It's all coming to us, yeah. and we, everybody's already mapping out what they're bringing. Who buys mm -hmm. what? Who's or bringing what? Bring and who's everybody? Yeah. We're kind of splitting up the cost for everything. And all I know is this year, if there's leftover turkey, 
we're going to use it in everything. Yeah. <laughs> turkey sandwiches, <laughs> yep. turkey soup. We'll put it in salads. Man, I'll even make turkey and waffles. Why not? We're going to yeah. use it. <laughs> hey, we're, we're the same way. We've got everybody coming to the house. and But nobody's asked, hey, what can we bring yet? So I may, uh, may be drawing straws at the Ratliff household. Okay, hey, you're going to get the turkey. Now, I enjoy cooking, so I, I don't mind that. So mm-hmm. that's that's uh, something I find enjoyable about the holidays because I can sit there over, you know, over the, the grill or a smoker or, or whatever, however yeah, I'm going to do yeah. turkey. I hadn't figured that out this year. Make Has fry the uh, turducken fab gone away? I haven't heard much about that lately. I haven't lately. heard much about turducken. Know. It may be too expensive to make this year. I've, I've cooked one probably 10 years ago that was awesome. Still eating on it? No, but could have. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's more than, you know, I, I thought I needed that and a regular turkey. And no, it was, it was, it was more than enough. Because that's stuffed with a lot of stuff. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with cranberries actually being down in cost, I'm already trying to think about how many side dishes you can make with cranberries. Can I make with cranberries? I can't think of too many off the top of my head. Okay, here's an alternative I'll throw out there for you. All right. Okay. You take crushed pineapple and red hots, and you pour the pineapple in the bowl of red hots and let it sit overnight. Okay. It's going to all turn red, right? Okay. But it's spicy with the pineapple. Interesting. Huh. And okay. you can use the, the, you know, the store brand pineapple, not the expensive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I have to look into that. Yeah, baby. A little spice. So inflation's getting, you know, hot for everybody. I-bonds, right? Last Friday, <laughs> the um, Treasury Direct actually <laughs> went down because everybody, look, one thing we're all known for is procrastinating, right? Clearly, everybody decided to head for the exits at the exact same time and or the entrance in this in this case and unfortunately for many i talked to a handful of people who just couldn't get in and couldn't buy them oh man we got busy couldn't do it waited the last minute till friday and unfortunately if you didn't purchase them prior to friday you know if you did you're locked in that 9.62 percent for the next six months now if you didn't it fell a bit fell to 6.89 percent Next six months. Not a terrible thing. They did actually switch. They made one major change. They actually added a 0.4% fixed rate of return inside of I-bonds. So if you're not real familiar with how I-bonds work, you can buy $10,000 per individual. You can also do, if you have a tax refund, up to $5,000 in a paper form. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go to treasurydirect.gov to purchase them. And you're going, it's going to be a floating rate that changes every six months, every November and May. So the rate had been 9.62, went to 6.89. Still probably not a terrible deal. If you have cash on the sidelines, um, you're looking for funds that you have an objective towards. You're buying a house this, uh, you know, in the, in the not so distant future. Um, but keep in mind, there are some stipulations. You have to hold it for a year. You're, if you don't hold it for five years, you're going to forfeit three months interest. A lot of caveats to it. Look into it, though. Could be a good place to park funds still. Uh, still getting much better than what we're finding in cash. And, John, mm-hmm. I mean, we look around, we can find 3% in cash. Yeah, you can. There are um, you know different firms out there it's worth looking into. They have money market funds that you can – they're actually called a purchased money market fund. It trades like a mutual fund. It takes one business day for money to go in. Usually it takes one business day for money to come out. So they're liquid. Uh, but um, but those those and there's uh, not a commission to buy or sell, and there's usually not a, a length of time 
that you have to keep money in that purchase money market fund. You have, there's quite a bit of uh, flexibility. Well, with and them. explain that a little bit further though, because yeah. it's interesting. Because we get a lot of calls sometimes say, "Well, how come?" You know, so what we've historically done is we'll purchase real short-term treasuries. Uh-huh. Uh, we're using cash alternatives at the moment, but we still have cash on hand. Yes. And when you go purchase one of these money market funds, it's the same as purchasing another type of investment. It is. And so you have to wait for funds to to get in, to get out. If we wanted to make a move quickly, we would actually have to liquidate that fund, wait the following day for it to settle, technically, if we want to follow the rules. And then you're going to have to then, you've got to go in and, and, and then make your purchase, right? right? So if you're That's looking right. for something that you're looking to trade quickly on, if it's a small amount of cash, that may not be the best idea, right? Yeah, it's not. The great point, Danny. This is really for, like you mentioned, if you're if you have some cash on the side that you really have somewhat earmarked for a purchase. Maybe you're waiting to buy some real estate or some land, or you're trying to buy a building for your business. Um, you know, you can you can get rates up to a little bit north of three percent, three point one, give or take, on these. But they're really not meant to be used as a cash bucket for for some for for trading or for investing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So that you have to be cautious with that. Now yeah. we have very specific rules we must follow. So, you know, you guys may have a little bit more flexibility in some things that you may do, but keep in mind, there are also sometimes going to be uh, limitations, you know, maybe a million dollar entry, you know, uh, deposit just to get into some of these, especially you find some with the higher yields. Right. But be cautious because these are areas that, you know, the money market funds can be great. Just understand what they own as well, because sometimes if they're going to pay you a whole lot more than something else, start to think what is actually in that fund and why is it paying that much more than everything else Mm -hmm. so sometimes not all things are created equal this is one of those cases but great point john i think that's a great place you can get online you know we like bankrate.com yeah you can go to bankrate uh nerd wallet Mm -hmm. nerd wallet they search cds search money markets um great way to put funds aside but also you've got to be careful with those because it does take a minute to get funds out um but hey we talked about do you need a family cfo We're going to talk about that right on the other side of this break. Thanks for hanging in there. We'll see you here in just a moment. You're listening to Real Investment Show. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com the end of the year is fast approaching what will the new year bring join richard rosso danny ratliff and lance roberts for our year-end economic review special event tuesday november 15th how to address higher taxes in the new year should you delay your retirement in 2023 what will the midterm elections mean for markets register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. We are 21 days away from Black Friday. So to celebrate, I want you to go look at your cell phone, look at your laptop, look at your TV. Now, are they working? Great. (laughs) Now realize you don't get selective amnesia in 21 days and go need brand new ones for no reason. But it's a new color. 
I want the new color. Or the new version. Or the new version. It doesn't do anything new. It doesn't do anything new. My wife was so disappointed this week. She washed her cell phone (laughs) for the third time. Now it's a Samsung. And so it came through the wash just fine. Thank you very much. Really? Did she have to put it in rice to get the... We did, just to be careful. And then I took it to a place that I've used in the past. You break, I fix. Okay. And they said, it's fine. The little strip on the inside had not discolored it at all. Wow. So there you have it. So no new Samsung for her for Christmas. Yeah. Hey, honey, I know you really wanted uh, to go on that trip, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. So we were talking during the break, and I think John wants to uh, – he wants to revisit what he would be for Halloween. <laughs> we were, that was a terrible. <laughs> I don't know where that came idea. from. I was like, you know, should uh, should I be a character that plays a money launderer when I'm at a financial advisory firm? It is Friday Probably morning, folks. Probably not the best idea. More coffee. Was hey, and I'm needed. good. I'm thick-skinned, but you know, I, I would like to change my answer. And I love Brent's laugh. I would be Angus Young. Oh, yeah. From ACDC. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. We got to have a little fun here, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Yeah. cue up the Thunderstruck. Come on, man. Hey, man. Back in black. Hell's bells. (sighs) That's it. We got problems with the YouTube copyright police for doing that. Yeah. Understandable. They have no imagination. Yeah. So. But after the show, we'll crank it up in here. All right. That sounds good. (laughs) That's a deal. (laughs) So does your family need to appoint a... Family CFO, and I think this is a big question, and, and ideally I think that many people, you actually never really appoint somebody just inherently over time. Somebody takes over. They gravitate towards it. They're better at it. Um, now, there are conversations or times when somebody's had to come in. A, a spouse may say, hey, whoa, 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 this isn't going so well. Maybe you're not the best suited to do this out of the two of us. I'm going to take over. But we see often, you know, that this is often a time where people can get in a little bit of trouble as well. And so I want to share a couple ideas and some points. And, you know, like I said, I think many people just inherently do it. You gravitate towards it. You're good with money. You understand it really well. But, you know, what I think a bigger problem is, is that they're usually the only person with the plan. And if you're the only one with the key to the lock, we've got a problem if something happens to you. So we want to make sure that this is something that you actually as a family, discuss. Now, this can look different at different stages of life. Obviously, if you have a young family, it's typically going to be you and your spouse. Maybe you bring in a mentor or uh, a, an older family member in the event, God forbid, something happens to the two of you. Share financial docs, um, legal documentation, what intent is for children, where things are. Um, as you age, I think more and more people do need to be brought in. Who's going to be your caretaker? What does mm-hmm. that look like? Are, do they know that they're going to be your caretaker? This is something we see often. And, you know, many times when somebody passes or somebody's incapacitated who has been that family CFO, it, it creates a lot of distress and emotional hardship and financial hardship sometimes when there's just no accessibility to things. I mean, John, you see this every day. Yeah. I mean, what do you encourage people to do? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, usually with with especially with couples or significant others, there's usually like to, like you said, Danny. There's usually one party that 
usually kind of takes the lead on this. They, they don't mind getting down into the weeds and getting into the nitty gritty of the finances and the financial plan and getting all the estate planning documents in order, but they all know where that is. But even though the other party, the other spouse, significant other, <clears throat> maybe they're not down into the weeds there, they're at least part of the conversation and they, they listen in and they listen into, hey, here are how your investments are structured. Here are how your assets are titled. And heaven forbid, if something happens to your loved one, at least they know who can I go to to talk with about this if something happens to my, uh, my significant other. Like I can go see Danny, I can go see Rich, I can go talk with Frank, I can go talk with Brent. I know the people that I can go see. And usually that trans, and that's a stressful time when somebody loses a loved one and then all of a sudden you're worrying, you're worrying about paying bills and you know, where, is, where are all the assets located and what are the passwords to get into things? You know, usually the, the folks where that transition process is the least stressful is where those conversations start happening sooner rather than later. Well, that's exactly right. And I think many times we just fail to even communicate on where we write these down. Where do we put all these, these this, this important information? And when, when we do a better job and communicate this early, I think it's really helpful. And, and, you know, even, you know, having conversations, Richard and I've talked about this multiple times about how do you communicate with children and, and bring them up in a way to understand things. And granted, you're not giving them the passwords. I mean, when they're young, like kids, I have my age or my children's age. However, long term, I think that, you know, these are good habits start at a very young age. And so, unfortunately, I've seen people pass. We have a lot of experience with this. Mm -hmm. um, and the spouse is completely in the dark. Like I've had families actually call and say, Hey, can you come in and talk help my family member and just, we'll pay you just to come do this. I'm like, no, no, we're not going to, we're not going to charge you, but we need to understand what needs to be done. And it's really important for people to, to get a very good handle on this. And so, like you mentioned, it's the passwords. That's the biggest thing I think people, people fail to mention the passwords. Oh, what if you have an IRA and they're not, you don't have power of attorney listed on that account already. Um, what if you don't have beneficiaries? Have you done mm -hmm. a beneficiary check? Have you have all your legal documents in place? When's the last time they were updated? I mean, we had somebody pass and they didn't have documents updated like 20 something years. Yeah. And laws had changed. And then you talk about the headache it created because the things that were needed to be done back then because of the estate tax are much, much different than what we encounter now. And so extra steps need to be taken. Um, you know, things that we typically don't think of, or we do things a certain way now, but laws have changed so significantly, they actually create more of a headache at the moment than, than making things better. Yeah. And you were talking about beneficiary designations, you know, and really a good rule of thumb, you should really check your beneficiary designations at least you know, every two years, just check them, you know, just, we all get in a hurry. And I see this time and time again, where you're leaving an employer or you're moving assets from an employer sponsored plan and you're opening up an IRA with a firm and you and maybe you already have multiple accounts there multiple IRAs and you you just it just doesn't it's not in your train of thought and you forget to designate beneficiaries on that new IRA and just make sure and look at your life insurance policies look at annuities look at all of your insurance type of products out there to make sure your beneficiaries are designated and current on there 
And Danny, you brought a great point about powers of attorney. You know, when when looking, and I'm, we're not estate planning attorneys, but but at the same time, if you if you have a power of attorney, you want to make sure that you talk with an estate planning attorney about having what is called a durable power of attorney, because a full power of attorney or a general power of attorney does not survive what incapacitation. So if I'm incapacitated, and Danny is my durable power of attorney. Even in my incapacitation, he can act on my behalf and take care of my decisions, financial, right? If it's not a durable power of attorney and I'm incapacitated, no dice. Or you so, may even have a springing power of attorney right. where it's on that event of your incapacitation that now you have the ability to do so. Because I know a lot of people are probably apprehensive on giving somebody full power Correct. of attorney while they're you know in, in good health and everything's going well. But you need to have somebody that you trust like that, that, you know, a family member, a friend, somebody that you feel like that can step in to help you in these types of, of issues. Uh, springing, though, is, is not a bad way to go about either. Agreed. But you need to make sure it is durable. That's always an important aspect. But, you know, what I, would, what I like to see, so somebody comes, uh, comes in, sometimes they bring or, or we, we visit at somebody's house, they pull out, here's what I've got. And many times it's just, I mean, we're piecemealing stuff together. But you should make life real easy. Look, you should have an, an area where you keep your passports, your Social Security cards, your birth certificates. You keep it in a binder. Put it in one of those, those uh, like, cover letter, you know, uh, clear plastic, um, whatever you call them, covers. It's a folder. That's not a folder. I'm it's talking. a big, big plastic folder. No, I'm talking about the one with expanded sections, like a a big three-ring binder. There's a handful of ways to do it. You put it in a binder, but you put it in one of those. There's ways. There's things that you should be able to do to make life easy. So you get to it easily. You access it easily. Um, And then an area for okay, hey, I'm going to keep passwords here, or we're going to have a common theme around what we're going to utilize. Um, You know, that's something I think that needs to be said and it needs to be written down so that if something happens. Your spouse can get into those accounts, especially when you're talking about retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then any accounts you may have that each from each other that maybe you're not on. Um, you know, I know lots of different households do things a lot of different ways, paying bills. You know, having you know everybody has their own account. They have one account they put money into. If something happens, that's problematic. You need to understand. You know, where your where's your insurance information? Where are your investments? Any bank accounts, financial institutions. Um, you know, and then. Where is your income coming from? What does pensions look like? Income from outside assets or maybe hard assets, real estate. Um, All of those things need to be taken into account. And then who are your primary contacts? So, um, you know, just give you some food for thought here. Lots of things to think about. But make sure you get these things in order. I think it's really, really important. Um, When we get back, we're going to talk about nine things every retiree should do. And keeping along the same vein, what do you do? How do you handle loans amongst family and friends? Thanks for listening to Real Investment Show. We'll be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic 
Economic Review's special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. RealInvestmentAdvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. So talked a little bit about, do you need a family CFO or do you already have one last segment? And I think this kind of ties in well with family conversations. Everybody's had that one family member who's always asking for a little bit of money. And this is a tough one because inherently we want to help. Maybe you get badgered into helping from a family member uh, or even a, an intermediary. You know, that's always something you see, right? The parents like, you know what? You should go ahead and give that. Go ahead and help them out. Why aren't you going to help them? You're doing fine. I see that a lot. Um, I see it a lot, John, and I'm sure you do as well, where with kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where, you know, the one thing I always mention is that, especially if you're retired, your human capital has been diminished. So unless you plan on going back to work. And what I've found is we actually, I know somebody recently who's had some family who's on hardship, probably gave way too much. And they're paying for now trying to find a job. And they're finding that maybe they're not, they can't bill the same hours that they used to, or they, they don't get the same salary that they once did. You know, that's one thing that I think that we're, we're seeing more and more of. And so this is something that you need to get out in front of if this is going to occur, because you can't go back to work typically, or if you can, maybe you're not making as much, so when you're in your retirement years, don't mortgage, just like we say for, for your kids' education, don't mortgage your retirement for that or for helping them out. So what are some rules, John, that, that people can utilize or start putting into place to kind of help make sure that this doesn't get out of hand and, and keep the family ties, especially going into the holiday season, uh, keep everything. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, hey, pass the turkey. By the way, Brent, can I have a loan? Yeah, yeah it's uh, you, know, you got to kind of pick and choose your time. Or there, where's right? my money? <laughs> or where's yeah. my money? Hey, pass, you haven't paid me yet, have pass you? Pass the mashed potatoes <laughs> and my payment. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but this is very. This is not to make uh, not to make light of it, but this is a very common occurrence. You're right, Danny, because you know actually it's about three out of five adults. You know, 61 percent of us. Um. You know, there's there are personal loans being made out there. It's very, very common. But the it's amazing that the result, you know, of those 59% of the time, you know, the, the person that made the loan has a, has a bad experience, meaning they, they don't get paid back or they get paid back much less than what they loaned out. So really, when you're talking about some kind of some rules of thumb, Danny, you know, first and foremost, if you're okay, if you're going to be in that position where you're going to lend money to a family member, child, loved one, you know, you know, you have to kind of go into it with the mental capacity that, hey, you know what, I'm willing to lose this amount of money. Right? Yeah, I think I, that's I, there's a, a chance I to... may just not get this back. And you have to go into it with that mindset, just knowing that there's a very good chance because, you know, I'm helping out this person or this family that may be in a financial bind to begin with already. Hey, there's probably a good chance I'm not going to recoup everything that I'm going to lend to them. Right. Well, many times I, I, I tell people, look at this as a gift. I have, yeah. I have a client who want to update their financial plan. I said, well, I'm going to have all this income coming in. And, man, I've done it a lot, John. Yeah. And I want to say <laughs> only a handful of times have I actually seen a child pay their parents back and actually do so consistently over long periods of time. I, I don't think it's a regular occurrence like many people think it is. You know, I had to have a conversation recently that, hey, 
This is habitual. Mm -hmm. This is a problem. And, you know, at some point, we're just encouraging the, the same bad spending behaviors. You know, and many times that, you know, it's always a story of, oh, well, they're making the, they're making this much. They're doing great. Um, you know, or they're getting that new job. It's, mm -hmm. and it just doesn't happen always. Or if they do, then where's that money going? So sometimes the best thing you can do is actually say no. But, you know, like you mentioned, three and five people actually have given a family member or a friend a loan. Yeah. Um, four and 10, 39% say they would allow a $100 debt from a friend or family member go unpaid rather than trying to collect. Now, that's the kicker, too. What type of recourse do you have? Because many times it's a handshake. Yeah, it's it's probably not a bad idea to to put this arrangement if you're lending money to a loved one, family member, child. You know, put this in in writing. Have some sort of a written agreement between the two parties. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go get attorneys involved, and it doesn't have to be you know one hundred percent you know to the T here. You know, because that would that would just be an additional expense around it. But between the two of you, you could you could write up a kind of an informal agreement that you could both sign, yep. where at least it says, "Hey, I'm willing to lay this money or to provide this financial support to you." But in return, this is the payment schedule that we're going to work on together, negotiate some sort of a payment schedule, so that way you're both on the same page with things. Yeah, I would certainly find an amortization schedule and mm -hmm. understand what that looks like what the time frame is. Um, you know, you can get on Excel, do that pretty easily. There's also other resources you can Google to, to find out a way to do that. But I think a written agreement is always something that's, Absolutely. that's necessary, regardless of what the amount is, because you don't want to get around the Thanksgiving table and, you know, hey, bud, where's where's my money? Uh, you know, keep everything peaceful and calm. It's as calm and peaceful as you can make Thanksgiving or any large family event, right? Um, but these are all really good good points. And also communicate early. If things are going wrong, make sure you get out ahead of it. Hey, what's going on? Everything okay? Um, notice you haven't sent the payment in this month. Um, that can be a big help. But at the end of the day, you know, understand what the overall impact to you, to your financial plan. I'd call your advisor. Hey, if I'm going to give, especially if it's a larger amount, what's the impact if I do this? Absolutely. Um, is this a gift? And I always you know, put it in your mind that most likely it is. I mean, unfortunately, we all want to think that our loved ones are going to do the right thing. Most of the time, it is a gift. So we talk a lot about what, you know, end-of-year checklist, uh, RMDs, understanding, you know, should you use a donor-advised fund, uh, private charitable foundation? Should you be putting funds into certain types of accounts? Are you maxing out your HSA, your 401Ks? I mean, we're getting right there where, you know, if you haven't thought about this, it's probably time to – to start thinking about what does this look like and looking at open enrollment where, you know, we've been smack dab in the middle of open enrollment season where, you know, we're talking about all the things that you should be taking advantage of. Do you have disability for your family? Uh, you know, if something God forbid happens to you um, and you're unable to work for a period of time, um, what about life insurance? Mm -hmm. All the different benefits. I mean, I'm even seeing some of these, now, John, are, are actually offering long-term care. Absolutely. I was, which is you, great. You were reading my mind is, is if you, through a group plan, if you have the ability to um, you apply or to pay a premium or, or have long-term care as an available option to you through a group plan, uh, we find that the premiums for that coverage are much more reasonable. So um, definitely that would be something to explore, and this is the time of year to do that.
Yeah, no, absolutely. And so take a look at those. Make sure that you're not leaving anything on the table when it comes to that. But so new article came out, nine things every retired person should do. And I think these are actually probably good rules of thumb for anybody um, at any stage of life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but how often, John, would you advise somebody to review kind of their spending plan? And, you know, we'll call it a, a spending and income plan rather than that four-letter word that, of that four-letter word that uh, starts with a with a b yeah, uh, you know likes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say uh, at least you know about once a year you know once every 12 months it's not a bad idea just to kind of take a look at you know hey this is what i thought i was going to spend this year it was like close did i spend a little bit more i hate life happens at times and you get curveballs and and sometimes that requires extra funds but just go back and look is just say, hey, was I in line with my spending this year? Did I spend too much? Or just are there some things that I just can cut out that I don't use anymore, like subscriptions, for example? So, well, you know, every year it's a good exercise to go through and, and just kind of uh, button things up there. Yeah, the most successful people we see are really diligent around this. They understand where the funds go, and, and they don't make it stressful. I mean, there's so many ways and, and new tools that are out there that can actually tell you how you spend your money. Most of mm -hmm. your credit card companies actually will tell you and break give you a breakdown of that. And the rest should be fairly easy to to understand as far as where those funds are going. So a great way to ensure that you're on track. So a lot of times I'll have clients do new budget sheets. Mm -hmm. You say, hey, it's been a minute. Let's make sure everything's still on track. Uh, you're still spending the same amount of money. Sometimes, you know, we get those one-off years where, oh, man, everything broke, right? I mean, yeah. that's something we've all seen. The car, the AC, uh, you know, maintenance on the house. You need a new roof, whatever it may be. And when it hits, it hits hard. Uh, but reviewing that plan more frequently, I think, can make sure that you understand exactly what that looks like. It's why we inflate how much you pay yourself each year within your financial plan. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I think that we're seeing a lot of, and now maybe this year has kind of people are become a little bit more in tune with it or at least aware of it, is making sure your portfolio represents your current stage in life and, and the current stage of the market cycle and where things are. I mean, I visited with somebody the other day who said, I haven't checked this in like 10 years. I just said it and forget it. Mm -hmm. Just keep putting funds yeah, in. Very common. And luckily, we've had really, for the most part, really good markets. So they benefited from it, and they've continued to put funds in. Now, though, they're like, whoa, I have a significant less amount of money. They didn't understand the risk that they were taking all along. Um, and, so, and then we forget about when the market really did dip back in 2020 mm -hmm. because it was so quick. We saw such a quick recovery. And so I think not just your risk tolerance you need to be aware of, but you also need to be aware of what's the market actually doing. And don't want to always look backwards, right? I mean, we hear about, you know, lots of people who pick stocks or, uh, you know, funds or even asset classes based on what they did last year, not what the potential is for the upside this year. A lot of times we're just too late. Yeah, because when you look at the market last year in 2021, that was a completely different environment that we're in now, right? So you have to make adjustments and right. modify your, your portfolio strategy to account for that. All right, guys, we only got through a couple of those, but uh, we've got a lot more. We'll get to these here this next week. Uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us today. Hey, we're going to do after midterm elections next week. We're going to wait November 15th. Go sign up. Richard, Lance, myself, we're talking about year-end economic review. What does the, what's the impact of midterm elections? Um, how do you, what's tax-effective portfolio tips, year-end planning, things that you guys need to be taking into account right now. Go sign up, realinvestmentadvice.com. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good weekend and go Strohs.